There. All right. Good morning. We are. Uh, Mark is not teaching today. I am. And I was thinking. I don't know if this is true. We'll let you guys decide. So we're going through the creation study, and Mark had his friend David come up a few weeks ago, talk about work. Were you guys here for that? He did a really good job, I thought, by the way. Kind of an expert on work and how that relates to being the creation. And then now today, we have to talk about the fall and sin, and then all of a sudden, Brad, why don't you talk about that one? (laughs) So I'm not sure what that means. We'll find out. But if I were honest myself, I'm probably an uh, expert at that, too. We're all ex- honest with ourselves. We're really expert. I got my little, uh, no slides today, just a little bag. So we'll get to that in a second. Don't worry, there's no animals, like if you're allergic to cats or anything. Nothing's going to jump out and get you. All right. So we're in, as I said, we're in the creation and fall study. And what we're trying to show here is that The Bible is not a collection of stories or a collection of random people saying good things with good moral principles, but this is one story from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, um, and it's about him. And it's about his creation, our fall, his redemption, and his restoration. And so that's what we're going after this morning. And so in these few weeks in this series, we're going through Genesis 1 through 4, looking at the creation and the fall. Um, So we're going to pick that up where Mark introduced the fall last week, and we're going to be in Genesis 3, and I'm going to read uh, verses 8 through 24. This is going to be a long one. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to work, to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and, fl- and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. 
Let me pray, and then we'll get started. God, thank you for your word, God. I just pray now that uh, um, this wouldn't be my words. This would be your words, God. Just help um, open our hearts to see what you want us to learn this morning, how we can see um, your creation, your redemption, your grace um, through this text this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So as Mark's been going through the creation study, I had this analogy in my, in my mind, this illustration, and I wasn't sure I was going to be able to even do this, but I will. So um, the Dugas family is obsessed with Legos. We have tons of Legos. Um, and so I've got a little, some little Legos here. So my illustration is if I am the creator, right, my Legos are the creation, right, just like the Lego movie. I don't have any craggle, though. So, right, so in the beginning, I go ahead and I create this earth. Here's my earth on this nice little stool. It's green, flowers. I go ahead and I put my little tree in the middle. Oh, falling apart. It's not the fall. It was still good. See, it still bears fruit. Leave that right there. And then I go ahead and I create some animals. My daughter helped me with this this morning. I got little animals here, I'll stick them, and, and kids, you can come uh, play with this after the sermon today. I was going to let you guys come up during the sermon, but I thought that may be a little too distracting. All right. One more, one more little penguin. I know that you're in the back, that's, that's hard to see. That's a horse, and I got a polar bear and a penguin and a tree. All right. Then we went ahead, and, and he made man and woman, right? So here's the dude. Let's see if I got those right. Yep, there's Adam. And then I went ahead and I made a little Eve also. And they're holding hands for those of you in the back. Because it was awesome and everything was good and perfect, right? And so here we go. I got my perfect little world. But as we've seen, as Mark has walked us through, we are, uh, it didn't say, stay this way, right? A little sin entered the world and I got my little, here's my little snake. So he comes up over here. All right. And that's kind of where we're at, right, in the story. We've got this perfect world. As I've decided, I'm the creator. Created this nice little stool for this platform to sit on. You can do everything in here. Just don't eat this. Don't go outside of that. Just stay right there, and, every, and everything is good, right? But we see that, as Mark walked through last week, it didn't stay this way, right? The serpent comes along. And he tempts Adam and Eve, and he says, was that really, could he really say you couldn't eat that? Could you really not go after that? Right, and we saw that they ate it, and then everything starts to fall apart, right? That sin enters the world. This is the fall. This is why Mark said last week this is such a pivotal moment in human history, because it was all good, it was awesome, but now it's not good, right? Everything's not awesome anymore. The team is not good. My team is not good. Your team's not good. And that changed everything for everybody out of this point. And that's what we're going to look at today um, is the results of the fall. And here, here's the big idea. And I, and I didn't make this quote up, but uh, I actually got it from Paul Tripp in the parenting seminar. He says, grace never calls wrong right. There is no grace if there is no wrong but grace deals with wrong. I'll, I'll read that one more time for you note-takers if you want to write it down. Grace never calls wrong right. There is no grace if there is no wrong. Grace deals with wrong. And, and the, the idea here is that 
If there wasn't the fall, there would be no grace. And, and it's kind of hard for our minds to get up wrapped around that, right? There's been people that have been searching for this Garden of Eden. If I just get back to there, I can put myself and redeem myself, but there isn't. And so we're going to look at um, the fall, but ultimately how it shows, illustrates God's grace. And as Mark stated last week, this isn't just a story of Adam and Eve and how they messed up. You know, I know as, as I was a kid, and I don't know if you, you were as kids or kids now, but you, you look at this story and you're like, man, if I was Adam, I wouldn't have eaten that. I don't even like fruit, <laughs> right? I wouldn't have been tempted. I would have just totally assigned that. But we know that, that we're not that either. So here's, here's Lego me. I'm going to put Lego me right next to them because I am the same as them. Um, but, but as we look at the world, and Mark, Mark prayed for it this morning, you look and you look around, you're like, the world is not as it should be. And we all, we all know that, right? You look at the Las Vegas shooter from the last week. If you go back before him, there was the Orlando nightclub. Another guy crazy going shooting up people. Go before that, there was the Sandy, Sandy Hook, right? Where they went to the school. Right, you see that. You look in the news and you see Trump and Kim Jong like battling over nuclear weapons and I'm going to shoot you down first. And then there's the whole political, social injustice side and, and there's just so much wrong that um, I think everyone agree that something, even non-Christians would look at that and say, the world's just not as it should be. Something is just not right. Um, but the world would try to explain it through circumstances and their surroundings, right? I, I've read been a news junkie the last week trying to follow this and looking at this guy and they're trying to find what is his motive, right? Is he a part of ISIS? Is he a part of some other random group? Um, did he have something bad in his brain? That's the one I was reading last night. They're like, man, they can't wait to get the autopsy back to see maybe he had a, he had a brain tumor, something was physically wrong. He just, something snapped inside of him. There's all these things that we, the world is used to try and explain, but I would submit that their, their base assumption is wrong. And their base assumption is that you and I are all good. We're, we come out the chute, good. And everything is great. That was, that was a bad idea. Sorry, I didn't really mean to do that. <laughs> Mark like, starts laughing. I'm like, yeah, that was probably not a good analogy to kind of throw that in there. But we're born into this world. Is that better? Okay, thank you. I'll, I'll strike that one. Mark can take that from the podcast later. Um, but we, we come out, the world would say that we come out good. And it's only because of the surroundings we're in. Maybe I'm born into a racist family. Or maybe I got distracted by ISIS and now I join them. And so it's really ISIS's fault. It's really the world's fault. It's really our surroundings' fault. But the Bible would say otherwise. The Bible would say because of, fall, of the fall, we're all sinners. That's the way we're born. That's the way we started. We didn't start out good. And, and it wasn't these circumstances that drove us to that. We're inherently that way. This guy that killed these people, he has the same heart I do. He has the same deceitful heart. It says in Matthew 15, it says, For out of the heart, this is Jesus talking, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Um... I was thinking this analogy. We had, we, we used to have progressive for our car insurance. Anyone have progressive? Or anyone have insurance that, where they gave them the little thing to plug into your car to kind of see if you could lower your rate based on your driving habits? Has anyone, anyone used that thing? You did that thing? I, oh, my insurance did not go down either. 
So those are, they gave us this little thing and plugged into a little computer port and it would monitor your driving habits. What it would also do is it would ding every time you did something not, they deemed not right. So if I were coming to stop hard, it would be like beep, 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 beep. <laughs> oh, I stopped too hard, right? If I took a turn too fast, beep, 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 beep. It would become again and be like, man. And it got annoying after a while. You're like, dude, I am fine. I know what is going on here. I will stop at the rate I want to stop at. <laughs> I'm not going to hit them, right? Even our Suburban now, it's all built in. So this thing, this, on this dashboard is a little red thing, and if it feels like I'm coming in on the car next to me too fast, a red light pops up in the dashboard, and my, vi my seat starts to vibrate. It starts telling me like, dude, your, your driving skills are terrible. It's trying to adjust the way I do it. It's trying to, and so, yeah, you can get one of those if you want. But the, the point is, is, as I thought about this, is what if I had one of those that followed what my heart was? that wasn't following my driving skills, but was really following my thought life when I was cutting this guy off on the road. And it was like, beep, beep, beep. That wasn't a good thought, right? Or what if it was, you know, I go to the restaurant, and I'm like, you know, I'm really trying to lose weight, but I'm going to go ahead and order this German chocolate cake, because that's what is awesome. A little beep, 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 beep. You really should be eating that. I'm not sure you should be eating that, right? <laughs> um, or what if, it's, what if it was out to work, and it's followed me at work and saw my work habits, saw how much times I spent like just some other guy's office charging, but just, you know, shooting the breeze about the latest incident or the Broncos football game the day before or whatever, right? And the little beeps go off, beep, 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 beep. What are you guys doing? <laughs> right? And, and I think we would all admit that if we really don't want that, we don't want it driving, I definitely don't want something in my heart and the worst thing would be is if they decided to like broadcast that to everybody, right? It's not just a beep, it's like a tweet every time. Guess what Brad just did? Bad thought. Looked at this person inappropriately. Said something bad about that person, right? But I think if we're all to look into our hearts, we would admit that it, it, it's not good, right? We have this, as Jesus said in, in Matthew 15, we have these evil things in our, in our hearts. And, and this is what, what uh, whew, God is trying to illustrate in here. And so as we look at these things, we see, and what we're going to look at here in the next few verses is, is some of the effects, um, the results of the fall. And so we're going to look at, I'm going to skip verses, uh, well, we won't skip those yet. Let's go into the verses now and see what, see what God points out to us uh, to show us our own hearts. He says in uh, verses 12, He says, well, let me back up. Let's go back to 8. And I heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And Mark talked a lot about that last week, right? The root of all sin is our unbelief and our untrustworthiness of God. We're not going to go in and say, yeah, God, I was doing that. We, we hide. We hide that sin. That's the root, the root of the sin. And then, and then he goes on in verse 11, and he says, He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman who you gave me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is the heart that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Right? So we see here the first effect of the sin, because we go like that. Right? Not my problem. 
that's someone else's problem. We blame someone else. That's the first thing is we blame. Our instinct is to blame others for our sin, just like Adam said. Um, the, uh, like I said, we, we watched the parenting seminar a couple weeks ago. And I don't know if you guys are like me. I feel like a failure most of the time as a parent, right? I told some guys at work, like, hey, I'm going to a parenting seminar. I'm like, oh, man, you have, like, a lot of kids. Like, you should be, able to, like, teaching that, right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> most of the time you come out, you come on the other side, and you're like, holy cow. I, I'm so far behind, it'll be a miracle um, if these kids turn out not all messed up. But one of the, one of the beautiful things I th- see in parenting, and uh, if you ever get the opportunity, I'd highly recommend it, um, is that I didn't really see, in, as God talks about being the, our father, I not really get all of that until I was the father. And you see all these things, all these analogies start par- showing up, right? Um, and so some of these things you, you just see, and you see this love for this person, yet you don't want them to sin, and, and things start making sense about how you can't... Um, there's nothing you could do to like disown yourself from the family. You're always a part of the family. There's all these things. But out of it, it also comes some interesting analogies of, uh, of our sin, too. And so I got some permission to share some of these things about my kids with this. So, um, But just on the blame is that if you're a parent for more than 10 minutes and once your kids start to speak, that's instantly what they do, right? That's their, that's their natural tendency. When they hear some... some in my basement, there's a crash goes downstairs, I know something's broken, I hear someone screaming, and then we have these wooden stems, so you hear this like, coming back up the stairs, like, okay, here's what's gonna happen. So then I go to one of the kids, we'll take Grace this time. Grace, what happened? Ethan did X, right? No, I'm not talking what Ethan did, what did you do? Well, I may have done this, but it was because Ethan was over here doing this thing right? That's our natural tendency. I didn't, as a parent, I didn't teach them that. I didn't tell them, hey, this is how you get around out of not getting out of trouble. Like, <laughs> let's write this stuff down, right? It's their natural tendency. This is our, our natural tendency is to just look the other way. And it's not just the kids. It's all of us, right? We all have a tendency to, to blame others for our sin. The second one, Jamie, you're going to want to close your ears for this one. This is not going to be, this is not good for you. Verse, uh, I'm going to skip verses 14 and 15, then I'm going to go down to 16. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Yeah, it's not good. So I'm not a woman. I have not experienced this, but I've been in delivery room five times, and it doesn't look comfortable. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it doesn't look comfortable. Um, and, and, but the idea here, the principle is that pain is just... If we expound that to all pain, there was no pain in the garden. My, my perfect little box here, just stay in this box. There's no pain, right? They didn't, they didn't experience it. I don't even know if they knew what the word was when God was like, you're going to experience pain. They've never seen it before, right? This is an introduction um, of sin. And, and what we'll see here, we'll see later through God's grace, that grace doesn't mean that, it, like we said in the quote, it doesn't mean that you get out of wrong. It just means you're forgiven for the wrong. But sometimes there's natural consequences for the things that you do. Um, Cole, two weeks ago, he decided to go on a hike with his friends just around the town, right? So he comes home and he's like, 
Dad, my feet hurt so bad. And I'm like, why? He's like, well, I didn't put on my shoes on. And we walked around for like two hours. And I look at the bottom of his socks, and there's like, there is like no more sock. Like, it's all there. And he's got like these blisters on your foot. And you're like, you couldn't take two seconds to put on your shoes? Right? And so I can, I can say that's, that stinks for you. I can go buy him new socks. But that's not going to, I can't heal his, his pain. Right? There's just, there's just a natural consequence. And, and in life, there, we see here the introduction of sin brings this pain, right? You see this Las Vegas shooter. Some of them may go haywire in his brain. We don't know what's going on, right? We know he's sinful, but things happen. But his sin affects other people. Other people now have pain. They'll have pain for a long time. They may never get over this pain, right? Sin affects other people. It affects the world around us. And you have kids. That's, sorry, that's a bummer. There's hope in that. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, and then the second part here is the ruining of relationships, and specifically he talks about the marriage relationships. He says, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And Mark talked about last week when, a few weeks ago, not last week, but he talked about the marriage and how it was, it was awesome, and it was beautiful, and it was perfect, and there was these complementary roles. Everyone's equal. There wasn't all this fighting. See, they're holding hands. Everything's awesome. <laughs> right? But sin entered this world and, and ruins the, that, this marriage relationship is the, the image he uses here. Um, there, there's lots of interpretations of this, but if you look at it, says, your desire shall be for your husband. This is not like romantic love infatuation for your husband. Um, this isn't like, this is, this is not that kind of love. If you look over on mine, it's on the same page. You look at uh, chapter 4 of Genesis. Um, if, you know, if you're familiar with the story of Cain and Abel, Cain and Abel are the first kids born um, to Adam and Eve. And in this very beginning here, I'm not going to talk about it a lot because I think we're going to get to it in a few weeks, if not next week. But Abel brings a good offering. Cain's not so much. And God says, yeah, yours didn't cut it. And so he's mad. Right? He's not happy about that. And so God's asking him, why are you so angry? Verse 6. And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. This same word of desire, that's the same word that he used in the verse before. It's not a desire of like, oh, I really love you, and I really just want to be with you. It's, I want... I want to take your place. I want to, my desire is to take over you and my desire is to compete with you, right? And so this desire shall be for your husband, not necessarily for your husband, but for your husband's role. Is that in our, in our sin, sin enters the world and ruins that marriage relationship and causes us to start fighting over who should be in charge, right? And then he says, the second half of that, he says, and then he shall rule over you. Now, again, people, this is where sin, and I'll get into this, is that sin says, because of sin and sin that's entered the men's lives, we just, people have even taken that verse to say, look, God's saying, I shall rule over you. You shall be my servant, right? And in man's sinful nature, we take this marriage relationship and we try to lord it over them. 
right? We try to rule over them. And that's not how God set it up, but that's what sin does. Sin takes marriages, it ruins it, right? It takes all those relationships and it tries to, to make us compatible. God made good. Sin is trying to ruin. All right, the next thing he looks at is toil and death. So Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. It's just another little zing. In case you didn't know, I'm going to tell you again. Remember I told you that one time, don't eat of that. Curse is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Um, so as I mentioned before, David came back and he showed how in a natural creation work was amazing, right? We were commanded to work. We were called to work, to keep it, to cultivate it, right? It wasn't, work in itself is not the bad thing. What's bad is the toil, and that's what sin introduces in here, is it, is it brings in this, this idea of toil and that work is not, it's not going to be easy. I, I don't know. I wasn't there in the garden, but I picture like he would just take a seed and drop it on the ground and then like plants would just pop up. Like, man, that was awesome. Work is so cool. I just want to plant a tree. Hey, right. We spent this last weekend preparing for the big snowstorm in case you guys weren't watching the news. It's supposed to get like six inches or something tomorrow, right? And it's like, so we're spending all day trying to prepare the soil and knowing like, we're going to lose a bunch of stuff, right? I lost a third of my tree in the fall because the leaves started to bloom. This is a spring, right? It did that, and then that snow came, and then I look out there, and a third of my tree is just laying there, right? In the garden, that doesn't happen. It's just everything grows. Everything is awesome. But in, in sin, like, we're not. Sin brings this idea of toil. It's like, oh, man, i got to go do this again and again. Work is hard. Um, you know, in my, uh, in my, well, if I were to be honest with my work week, it's terrible. This is not a good week to be uh, up here teaching. It was just full of frustration. Uh, my, my company, so I, I work for an IT firm and I'm a subcontractor to a larger company doing whatever they need me to do. So I don't really get to make the decisions. I just help them implement their decisions. And so they're... I'm looking at their decisions, I'm like, this is not going to be good. We're gonna be, we basically, we're setting ourselves, putting ourselves three years back from where we were. We just climbed out of that hole, and now you guys want to jump right back in, right? Anyone that has bosses, you probably are familiar with that same thing, right? You're just like, really? We're going to do this again? If you just put me in charge, I could solve all your problems, right? This is one of those types of weeks, right? It's full of frustration. It's full of toil, right? And so I tend to... Like Adam did, I tend to blame my circumstances. I tend to say, man, if I were just in charge, I could do so awesome. If our company were just the ones in charge, not them, we could knock this out of the park, right? If they would just listen to my ideas, we would be so much cooler than where we are now, right? We're not taking advantage of all the technology that we could. All these things. And then what do I do, if I'm just completely honest? Then I go to my other guys who do work with me, and then I go and I complain and we grumble together. Right? Now I drag them down into the same pit of despair and toil that I'm in. Um, and then we blame it on others, right? But that, that's not true, right? 
my, my toil, my frustration with work has nothing to do with whether they make a good decision or a bad decision, right? It, ha it has to do with the sin in my life. What am I looking at? I, I should be able to have a completely stress-free workplace if I knew where I was at, if I knew where my place was, regardless of what my circumstances are. I'm letting my circumstances drive where I'm going, right? I'm letting this guy's bad decision or this guy's saying this mean thing or being left out of this meeting, I'm letting that rule my circumstances. All right. So those are all the bad things. <laughs> in case you didn't know, just want, this is what God's Word says. I can't go anywhere else. But as I said in the beginning, the big idea here is grace never calls wrong right. There is no grace if there is no wrong, but grace deals with wrong. And so the last thing that the fall brings us is grace. And we'll go look at, now we'll come back to verses 14 and 15. It says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And this is often referred to, verses 15, as the introduction of Jesus. It's the first time we're going to see that in this plan of beginning to end, right from the beginning, God says there's going to be a Savior. And the idea here is that of this crushing, bruise your head and you shall bruise, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. If you think back to the, to the fall when that happened, and then, um, as Mark illustrated, they're right next to each other. It's not like Adam's like over here, like, picking apples or whatever, and then the serpent slides up to the, to the woman. They're right next to each other. They're there. And so when the Satan comes up in the form of the serpent and says, did God really say that? Starts causing this doubt, starts causing this temptation. The idea here is that what should have happened is Adam should have walked over and just smushed him on his head, right? Should have just squashed that thing. Just, no, we're not doing that, Right? But he didn't. He stood by. He's like, I kind of want to see this fold out, right? Like Mark said, let's, let's see what happens here. And this is great for me because if she dies, then I don't have to eat it. Like, this is golden. Like, this is a win-win for me. I get to see if it's true, and I don't have to be a part of it. So he didn't. But we know now what they didn't know then is that someone will come along that will do that, right? And the picture here is that he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The idea of the bruising his heel, that when he does step on that, when Jesus comes later and steps on that snake, the snake's going to bite him, right? Usually don't get away with that step. He's going to bite you, and Jesus is going to die. That's the illustration of Jesus dying on the cross. Um, but in the end, sin is conquered. And, and, that's, and that's the grace. That's the grace that what Adam could not do, what he should have done, Jesus will come later and do and illustrate this grace for us. Um, and, and as I was thinking about that, and I, I've been thinking about my illustration, like, it's really, I think sometimes as a, as a believer, I know for me, like, I take this grace for granted. But if I think about, in my analogy, where I'm the creator, and I tell my little Adam and Eve, don't do this, Right? And then they do do that, and they mess things up, and they start throwing the flowers away, and they're like, nah, that's I didn't need those. That was good. I need some of those. This tree, I'm going to go ahead and eat some of these, right? And they start making me mad 
well, well, forget all you guys. I'm just going to dump you all in here and start over, right? I'm just going to make a new one. Like, <laughs> like, I'll just, here, Lego Adam, you don't have legs anymore. <laughs> nice. How do you think about that? <laughs> right? Like, I'll just take it apart. I'll just make a new one. That's what we do, right? Oh, see, my tree fold down, so I'll, I'll go ahead and replace that one. And, and I'm the creator, and this is the creation. It's ridiculous for me to think, you know what, I'm going to take one of my sons, and I'm going to turn him into a Lego figure. And I'm going to put him on this cursed earth that the, these dang little Lego people ruined, and I'm going to let them take him apart. I'm going to let them kill him. Like, that, that's, that's ridiculous, right? Like, that's just dumb. We wouldn't do that. And so if you think of, like, the creator... It's sort of ridiculous to think that, he, that Christ would come down and, and take that stuff for us. Why wouldn't God just be like, you know what, this world thing didn't work out. I'm just going to wipe it and start over, right? I'm just going to wipe it clean. Why didn't he do that, right? He didn't do it because he wanted to illustrate grace. He wanted to illustrate this is what it is. You know, he says in 1 Peter that the, the angels are watching, they, they don't, angels, they're not, angels are not made in God's image. We, we kind of Hollywoodize them and make them look like that, but they're not made in God's image. Only, only we are. So we're fascinating to them. And they also didn't get grace, right? Satan, he ain't got no, zero grace for him. Oh, you want to make the decision? You're out. Third of the angels, you made the decision? You're out. You don't get to come back. You're done. Only we get that grace. So the angels were, were super fascinating. The rest of the heavens are watching to see what happens because it's amazing. And so this grace takes all those bad things, all those things that we looked at about how terrible we are and our hearts are deceitful and our marriages are terrible and our <laughs> dealing with our kids is terrible and we bring pain upon ourselves, right? And we see that because of God's grace, he, he can redeem all of that, right? Um, I, you see, like, in childbearing, right? It is painful. Sorry, Jamie. This is going to be painful. But it wasn't painful enough that my wife didn't want to do it four more times, right? Because the moment you have that kid, everything vanishes. You're just like, that was amazing. Well, for most people. <laughs> Sometimes there's difficulties. But in general, the weight, the, the idea of what you, the kid that you get on the back end is worth it right? And, it, and it's an amazing thing. It, it's worth that. God gives us that, that grace of, yes, there's pain, but I'm now going to show you something better. You get to have these kids on the backside. Um, he shows us grace in our marriages, right? He doesn't leave us here and just say, no, sorry, you guys are broken. Just sit here and go at it for the rest of your life, right? He gives us grace. He gives us the spirit to work through that, and he shows us how we can work towards getting back to the way he originally intended it. The same with work, Right? He doesn't leave us just to toil in the ground for the rest of our days. He says, through Christ, you can have that. That work can be restored. You can rise above these circumstances. Right? And so how do, how do we get that? How do, how do we receive that grace? It's just through repentance. Uh, if you see in... What's very, another interesting thing, as you just see that repentance in verses 8 through 12, is that he doesn't, does he know what they did already? 
He knows, right? He doesn't need to ask them, where are you? He already knows where they're at. What did you do? He already knows what they did, right? He, he's asking them because he wants to get them to confess. He wants them to say, you know what? I did mess up. Because it's through that confession that he can bring in and is saying, you know what, God? I was wrong. You were right. It's in that, um, it's in that moment that we can see that we really need him. And that's what he's trying to drive us to. It says in 1 John 1, 8 and 9, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, grace never calls wrong right. There is no grace if there is no wrong. Grace just deals with wrong. And so ultimately, all these things happen in the world. We know that the origination is sin. But we know that there isn't going to be any gun laws that's going to stop people from doing things. There isn't going to be any things we can do to make all marriages work here, follow these rules. Um, There is no parenting check sheet to say, make sure your kids do all these things. That's going to make your kid good and turn out that perfect thing. It's it's only his grace. It's only praying and asking for for his forgiveness and for his mercy to have grace on us. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pray, and then we're going to go into communion and uh, just reflect on these things that God has said about giving us forgiveness and the grace that he's bestowed upon us. God, I thank you for just your word, God, and I thank you for just your grace that you have upon us, God, Um, that you would have anything to do with us, God, that you would, even though we're sinners, we're born sinners, we have a deceitful heart, um, you chose us above all creation to be your children, God, to be heirs with you. And we just thank you for that. I pray that we would remember that, God, that, we would, that we're your children and that you've given us this grace, that we wouldn't forget that we're the creation and you're the creator, God. In Jesus' name, amen.